1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match
2: limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to episode 231 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, the only Brian on Twitter that doesn't have burner accounts. And today we are going to talk, right before the finals start, we're going to do a, a pre-finals grab bag. So we're going to talk about the Rockets potentially making some big changes this summer. Surprise, surprise, more Lakers chaos. We're also going to talk about Kawhi and Toronto and his future there and what it means for the uh, the big prospect who's going to New Zealand instead of college basketball next year. Before we get to all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort?
3: It's going well, Brian. Here the other day, I actually met Tupac, and it was so inspirational. <laughs> um, oh. and, and after after that meeting, I decided that because that was such a precious encounter, uh, obviously because he's totally not dead. Sure. And yeah, I, I decided that I'm very much. Uh, a different person after meeting him so yeah. i decided to tell all my followers that they had to to pay me to keep <laughs> following me on twitter
2: it's so, so weird because i actually met notorious big the other day and no he,
0: way yeah he
2: gave me some tips about how we can improve this podcast he was the one who came up with the grab bag idea actually so nice. shout out to biggie for yeah, for the assist nice. there um yeah we should preface <laughs> this We're going to talk Rockets first, but we should preface this because literally like an episode or two ago, you said, can we please God not talk about the Lakers for like a week? (laughs) And Baxter Holmes ruined that plan. So we're sorry in advance. We do have to address this gigantic Baxter Holmes story that came out yesterday. But first, Mort, let's start with the Houston Rockets because we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported like an hour or two ago that Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey has made his entire roster and future draft picks available in trade talks. He said the possibility of trading James Harden is believed to be extremely limited. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the roster, including even Chris Paul and Clint Capella, could be more realistic trade targets. More, yeah. Before we get into specific trade permutations, Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the overarching strategy here. Do you think the Rockets need to make major changes this summer before seeing what happens with the Warriors, with KD and free agency, seeing where all the other big free agents go?
3: It was just out of common courtesy that I just didn't interrupt you by screaming yes. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Look, I mean, again, this, this comes down, I've said this before, to me it comes down to Chris Paul. He's getting significantly older. His 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 contract is just going to further prevent the Rockets from improving by making external signings. Like James Harden and Clint Capella and Eric Gordon, now that, those three guys I, I would love to to see be kept around, especially P.J. Tucker as well, mm-hmm. now that I'm reminded of him. But like the $38.5 million that Chris Paul has owed for 2019-2020, that's that's such a large number, and it's it, it prevents them from really creating something special. I think. I think he's the he's the showstopper, and that's not a that's not a compliment. That is a tremendous problem. Uh, like Nene Hilario is, or Nene, as he's only known now, mm-hmm. he's going to retire if he's not already. Um, so I wonder what's going to happen with his three point eight million dollar cap hold
2: it's, uh, or quite- salary. It's a player option, so he'll, if he retires, he'll presumably turn it down, and
3: it's not. Really, it's yeah, at least not for more. Well, I'm I'm looking at basketball reference. It seems like it's fully guaranteed.
2: Basketball insiders has it as a player option, but okay, I can double track or double check SpoTrack just to make sure. But I I'm pretty sure if if a guy retires, it comes off the cap.
3: Yeah. I was just interested, like if it was a, if it was a completely guaranteed contract, like mm-hmm. then you, there was a, probably something finagling involved, but yeah, yeah but no, basically,
2: Squeak yeah, has it a to option too. All
3: right, then that's two out of three. I'm gonna go with that, and obviously that's gonna mean that he that that number is gonna go away, which was kind of my point. Right. So basically, you have James Harden at thirty-seven point eight million dollars, which. It sounds crazy, but that's, that's a fair number for him. Uh, absolutely. Right. Then you have Clint Capella at 16.4. Also a very fair number for Clint. Eric Gordon at 14 million. That's, again, I'm repeating myself here. PJ Tucker at 8.3 million. Also very much okay. It is Chris Paul's 48.5 million that is just clocking everything up. And for, for Daryl Morey to even be able to trade him, like, like, what direction do you go in? I mean, who out there would look at Chris Paul as an ass Oh, the Lakers.
2: <laughs> I don't even know if they'll look at him as an asset, though. <laughs> they might take him, but I think the Rockets would have to attach at least one pick to make it work.
3: I, when we go, when we get to the Lakers and we talk about them, <laughs> yep. I, I'm just going to say I don't think they think that far ahead. <laughs> right, I just that, don't.
2: That's probably true. Yeah, and I mean, again, I
3: think like the banana boat aspect. Could you just not see LeBron go? Well, you know what? I just saw this report from Vogue. Like Chris might be available. We could use a point guard because that Lonzo kid, yuck. Whatever. Like <laughs> he's young. I I want my guy. Like, right? Couldn't you just see it play right into their hands?
2: I mean, yes and no. I like yes then the banana boat nepotism. It could come mm-hmm. into play here, but at the same time, LeBron's a smart guy. He understands how the salary cap works. He knows how restrictive Chris Paul's contract is. I don't think he would want that on the Lakers' books. Because I, is i LeBron would... a
3: smart guy. Because apparent, I mean, now we're we're basically just <laughs> combining the Baxter Holmes thing with the Rockets thing. But like, he signed off on all those signings. Yeah. After I mean, can yeah. we? We yes. have to acknowledge that.
2: I, I mean, he—we've gone into why he—he he didn't choose the Lakers for basketball reasons, which is fine, right? Whatever. But if you add Chris Paul and mm. LeBron together, so LeBron next season makes about thirty-seven point four million, Chris Paul makes thirty-eight point five. Right. Back of the napkin math tells me that's about seventy-five million dollars combined with just the mm-hmm. two of them. Yep. The salary caps at one oh nine million; those two guys alone prevent the Lakers from offering a max contract to anyone else. Yeah, the in twenty twenty when Anthony Davis becomes a free agent, mm-hmm. LeBron's at thirty nine point two, Chris Paul's at forty one point three. Again, that's about eighty point mm-hmm. five million. The caps at one sixteen. Again, pretty sure, especially once you factor in all the other picks and cap holds and players they have on their roster. You can't offer a max deal to Anthony Davis or whoever else. Not, I'm not saying right. like any Anthony Davis might not want to join the Lakers after seeing what's happened the last six months. So, yeah, I think it's funny to joke about the, the Lakers being interested. <laughs> and like maybe if, I mean, if they completely strike out on free agents, they're going to be desperate to trade for someone. I'm yeah. just not convinced Chris Paul is that guy.
3: No, I mean, we talked about Mike Conley at some point. I think yeah. he's a more realistic target. Obviously, we need to get our jokes off because, right. we, I mean, yeah. But if this ended up happening with Chris Paul in, in particular, should we just do a pod where it's 10 minutes long and we just laugh for the entirety of it?
2: <laughs> we need to have Anthony Irwin back on. I think he'll re- <laughs> retire from blogging and Twitter and <laughs> podcasting. And just like all Lakers fans will just go into hibernation for six years
3: yep uh, well so 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 getting back to the rockets uh for a second like clincapella right yeah apparently like he's he's very much available yeah uh, on the surface i kind of get it because he's still you know a somewhat limited big man in service that he can't shoot so yeah. he, he's a role guy all that but at still even so i'm looking at a guy who in just 33 and a half minutes Average 16.6 points, almost 13 rebounds, shot the best percentage from the free throw line he's ever done before, 63.6, which means he's not a liability there, Mm -hmm. and who hit almost 65% of his shots from the field. Now, I get that he just came up kind of short in the playoffs, and I get that that's obviously the most crucial point to have him be effective, but he's also, what, he just turned 25, and he's a big man, yeah, who usually take a little bit longer to develop and 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 get, getting him off their books, yeah, it might create some opportunities to go elsewhere. But where do you find a guy with this type of production that you slot into his fifteen point three million dollar salary, like who's who's equally as good or even better than him? I don't think you do that. I think his combination. Oh, well, sorry, sixteen point four million for for. 2019, 2020, I was looking at this season. But even so, where do you locate that, that player who's going to, you know, outproduce him on that salary?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that the tricky thing with him, and you could really extend this to Steven Adams and OKC, too, is if a big isn't able to knock down open jumpers consistently... Mm -hmm. It may not matter how good they are defensively. You just can't allocate that proportion of the salary cap to them. Like, I would feel, I feel okay with Joel Embiid getting a 25% max. I feel okay with Nikola Jokic getting a 25% max. Right. You know, we were joking last episode about Rudy Gobert and a super max. Like, I do not feel okay about Rudy Gobert taking up 35% of my cap
3: oh, you don't want Rudy Gobert to earn $60.3 million in the right. season when he's, right. when he's 33 exactly. years old?
2: Yeah. yeah. So Capella, in one in one hand, he is fairly compensated. I would much rather have him at, on a five-year $90 million deal than I would at whatever Nick Vucevic is probably going to sign this summer. Because I think he's probably going to get at least four years $100 million somewhere. And that... Right. that you know Capella's 25 Vucevic turns 29 in October Vucevic is a much better offensive player can hit the three is a much more Mm -hmm. potent scorer good rebounder too but not as versatile defensively I do have questions about how well he would fare as you run deeper into the playoffs now going back to just like do the Rockets need to make major changes I'm not totally sure that they do, at least. I don't understand the pressure to do it now. Because we don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors. The Warriors are right. such a uniquely bad matchup. Like, Capella was useless in that matchup. But mm-hmm. the Warriors are so unique in that regard. There aren't many Draymond Greens in the world that can smallball you to death like that. Maybe if you're the Rocket... Like, had the Rockets beaten the Warriors... And you're going against Portland in the conference finals, and you're going against an NS Cantor. Capella strikes me as much more useful in that matchup, or go into the NBA finals, and you're matched up against a Marcus Sall or an Embiid or a Mm -hmm. Brooke Lopez. I think giving up on Capella now just because he struggled against the Warriors this year and last year isn't necessarily the right course of action, but. Overall I agree with you. Chris Paul is patient zero for why they need to possibly make a big move just because you know they have 5 guys under contract next year and they already have 116.6 million on their books. Yeah. The luxury tax is 132 million. So that leaves them less than 16 million in terms of all of their their cap, cap exceptions and filling out the rest of their roster. You almost have to assume they're going to be in the tax. At least, you know... Or, they're just going to have even less of a bench than they did this past year.
3: I'll probably go with option B. Not in terms of preference, but what I think happens, because I think it's pretty apparent now um, that for Cheetah is cheap.
2: Right. And, and isn't that what it, this all boils down to?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, basically, we're looking at a rocket situation that can develop grossly within the next couple of years to the point where we put them in the same sentence as the Knicks, the Lakers, the Cavs, the Suns, and the Bulls. Right. That's terrifying, and that's horrible because you have an in-prime James Harden, which, by the way, answers your previous question about, or your confusion about why it should happen now. I think that's why Daryl Morey might be desperate, because James yeah. Harden, when they come back next season, is going to be 30. Uh, so it's basically now or at never, if you want to Capitalize on Harden's primary, yeah, years. Mm-hmm. I think.
2: If you're the Rockets, do you consider trading James Harden
3: for the right guy? Yeah, or for the right package? Yeah, like if <laughs> this is not going to happen, obviously, but like just theoretically, like the numbers wouldn't line up. But if if the Pelicans called and offered the number one pick, like mm-hmm. of course you'd listen. Yeah. of course you would. I mean, again, he's he's going to be thirty. I know that that Maury completely loves James and and I think that's completely fair he's he's been awesome when you look at what Harden has done as a rocket I'm just gonna read some of the numbers here like he's been a rocket for seven seasons Mm -hmm. he's in just seven seasons he's very close to 16,000 points for the Rockets he's averaging 28.2 points a game 5.8 rebounds seven and a half assists he's training three triples a game and getting to the line ten times I mean it's it's utterly ridiculous the time of the 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 kind of production and impact he's had on the rockets, so i I get why you know they absolutely love him there, but mm-hmm. it's still an n b organization and you need to look at the long term you need to look at it from a team perspective instead of you know a player perspective and if there's a package out there that just sets you up beautifully for the future and it includes moving harden at at the very least you'll have to consider it you'll have to have a couple of meetings and go look, we have a package. It's intriguing. Let's talk.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it's hard to find a package that works for that reason because, yeah. as you said, the the salary matching of, of it makes it tricky. Like, I I guarantee we're going to see at least five James Harden for Ben Simmons trade proposals come out later today in the wake of this report, and mm-hmm. I I don't have the energy anymore to explain why that can't happen. But no, it can. I get it. <laughs> right. Um but yeah, I mean, just overall, this is a really tricky spot for the Rockets, and it's one they should have seen coming, frankly. like if I, I just if you're for Titta, I just don't understand offering Chris Paul the four year max. no, like it doesn't take a salary cap expert to be able to chart this out right when you offer that contract. You know mm-hmm. this is coming. Right away, you know, you're going to have... It's going to be really hard to duck the tax last year. To Morey's credit, he accomplished it. He had to dump a lot of things at the deadline to make it happen, but it worked. Mm -hmm. It's going to be almost impossible to do it this year unless you dump Gordon or Tucker, but that is counterintuitive to, you know... It's just... if, If I'm a Rockets fan, I would just be so frustrated. Because, again, like going back a year ago... You're a 65 win team. You push the Warriors to Game Seven in the Conference Finals. Then they, like, I just can't fathom not being willing to pay the tax that next year to get a good bench around. Like you, you weren't far away from winning, and we're, you know, we'll talk about Toronto later. Like when you have that win now window, you have to capitalize on it because Mm -hmm. these windows close so quickly in the NBA. And the Rockets, for all we know, it might have already closed.
3: That's kind of where I am. Yeah. And and we talked about that during their by Felicia segment, I believe. Yep. Or I don't know if it was by Felicia, but we did talk about it. And, and you know, Chris Paul's age, even if we ignore the contractual status, like he's what, 34 yep. and going on
2: 35.
3: Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, fair enough. He just turned 20, uh, uh, 34, okay. <laughs> if only 24. Yeah. Um, but but that's that's an advanced age. He is not a great you know, athletic player in terms of, 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 you know, his physical uh his physical physical strength and and, and vertical leap and whatnot. Like he's not overly athletic and he's small. Yeah. He's he, you know he's a great floor leader. He's a very, very smart defender. And he's got Moxie and he's got all those things. But you just have to at some point ask the question does that add up to a guy who's going to ultimately earn one hundred and sixty million over four years right. at this in, in this age group? And I mean, he's going to be thirty-five next year, and that's when he starts averaging in the forty million dollars a year range. Yeah. it's yeah. I don't see a scenario wherein the Rockets improve as he declines. Well, and last year you made a great point though that I think is worth bringing up again when they re-signed him. You said. This is what it cost. This they knew this coming in when they traded for him, they knew that they were getting a great player at a great co- at a great price because what they gave up wasn't you know as significant. Obviously, you know they gave up something. I mean, Montrezl Harrell isn't nothing, right? Um, but they, they knew this coming in. Like before he was traded for, they knew this was was what it was gonna take for for Paul to stay mm-hmm. and. I mean, four years, that was it. If we agreed, both uh, of us, that four years is too long. Right. But if that's what it took to give the Rockets that extra chance, you know, so be it, right?
2: Yeah. You just have to live with it. But it's just it, the, the logic behind giving Chris Paul that contract but then being too cheap to pay the luxury tax runs yes. counter to one another. Like you're either – Giving him that contract, knowing it's gonna age poorly, knowing you're gonna swallow a lot of bad money at the end of that deal. Okay, but this is we're giving him that money so we can capitalize on our window, but then also we're not gonna re sign Trevor Ariza. or we're not you know, we're we're afraid to go too far in the tax to keep Trevor yeah. Ariza in our bench pieces and we're gonna force Maury to make magic, which he did. It's just it's bad ownership, man. Right. I, it would ugh. It it would make me so mad. I mean, it's probably going to happen with the Sixers, too. So I'm just prefacing this by saying it will make me so mad when the Sixers do the same thing.
3: Right, because when you're going for it, you need to actually go for it. It shouldn't yeah. be half-hearted. And and the way that the Rockets are set up right now, it is certainly a cost-cutting organization that is looking to limit penalty tax uh, bills and, or luxury tax bills, which on the surface I get, but not for a team this deep into the playoffs yeah. I, I mean, you know, I get it if you're a team that's, like, around the 500 mark.
2: Yeah, if you're a Charlotte, Yeah. sure, don't pay a lot of yeah. tax. But if you're a 65-win team, pay the effing tax. Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah. There's really not much else to say. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I think the Rockets are going to be a spectacular flame-out show over the next couple of years. Yeah. Today's show was brought to you by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm feeling great, thanks. How about you? You feeling happy? A little angry? People have so many feelings, millions of them. But what if businesses could really understand all of those feelings and then act on them to make their customers feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management, and it's here. Because the future of business has feelings. And I've got a feeling we're all going to like it. Go to sap.com slash XM to learn more. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now Incova Insurance.
2: Well, speaking of spectacular flame outs, Mort, let's talk Again, about the Los Angeles Lakers. Who uh, this
3: is not how I wanted the Dark Knight, One <laughs> of the, best, the best movie of all time, in my opinion, oh, to be brought up.
2: I love that. I mean, I guess that clip has been out there for more than a year, and like the guys on NBA desktop had called it out at the time, but for some reason, like all of NBA Twitter did not realize how dumb this was until Baxter resurfaced the story, but. I mean, I'm sure most, if not all of you, have read it. If you haven't, go check out ESPN.com. Baxter Holmes delivered with probably the definitive uh, encapsulation yes. of just how screwed up things have been for the Lakers over the past few years.
3: And and, and just to preface this as well, like before you do read that article, go make yourself a cup of tea. Yep. Oh, like yeah. Maybe some a, cookies. It's a long Whatever. Period. It takes it says on ESPN that it takes 26 minutes to read, but here's the thing. There are so many messed up details in yep. that article where you have to go back and go, did I just read that? Did yep. that just actually happen? So it's more of lines like 3540. So go make yourself a really nice hot of cup of tea or hot cocoa and some cookies or whatever, just roll up with the blanket and if you're a Lakers fan, get ready to sob.
2: Right. So here is the the primary takeaway. Yes. The Lakers under Johnson and Rob Polinka, the general manager, were, quote, fraught with dysfunction on and off the court. These sources, he spoke to nearly two dozen current and former team staffers. Um, He said, these sources who feared reprisal and weren't authorized to speak publicly described Polinka and Johnson as managers who made unilateral free agent acquisitions, triggered a spate of tampering investigations and fines, berated (laughs) staffers, including former head coach Luke Walton, and created an in-house culture that many current and former long-time staffers had marginalized their colleagues, inspired fear, and led to feelings of anxiety severe enough that at least two staffers suffered panic attacks. As one ex-Lakers star privately told confidants, quote, it's effing crazy over there.
3: Yeah. And, and you know who I think that was? Kobe? Julius Randle, because I think there's a reason he didn't say all-star.
2: Julius Randall a star.
3: In the that's the thing. Star is subjective.
2: Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I I I immediately thought it was Kobe because I just figured, you know, he has the connections to Palinka as well. But yeah. you you might be right. Maybe it's like Randle. I don't D'Angelo. think Kobe is
3: afraid. I think he would go on the record.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <that. laughs> you'd, you'd be like, uh, well, actually. Yeah. I know. I'm shocked we haven't heard a rebuttal from him since the, the whole Palenka Dark Knight story came out. But
3: okay, so let's get into that. Come on, please. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So I guess Palenka, <laughs> he. So they have these genius talks, and they brought in Dwayne the Rock Johnson to give one, and I actually watched the whole video. It was very, very inspiring from the Rock. Great job as always. But before the Rock even starts talking, Palenka cuts him off, and he says. You know, Kobe, who I managed for 18 years, don't you know? Uh, Kobe was so inspired by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, how he threw himself into the character and was so dedicated that he wanted to meet with him, and then he applied the lessons he learned from Heath Ledger to his basketball game. The problem being that the movie came out months after Heath Ledger had died.
3: Seven, seven months. Right.
2: So maybe he saw a trailer maybe something was lost in translation and like kobe saw a trailer and got a meeting set up or maybe the whole story is just total bs i have no idea
3: ding 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 ding. (laughs) so there is no way in hell that he got that from just the trailers yeah so i you know me i know batman
2: right
3: i i know that i look i i still remember exactly where i was when my wife told me that Heath had died Mm-hmm. And there is no chance in hell because the, right after that, it happened. One of the primary things that people were concerned about because people are awful is, Oh my god, does that mean the Dark Knight is canceled? And right. within the first couple of days, no one came out with a statement saying, We have finished all of his scenes. So the movie was not even put together at that point. I re- distinctly remember this. Yeah, the movie was not <laughs> put together. So when people are saying, Oh well he could have seen a raw cut. No no no, you don't understand. <laughs> it was not even put together in a raw cut yet. It was not physically put together. He was they were still wrapping up certain scenes and reshoots and whatnot No, there was not a raw cut. And if there was a raw cut, it was so raw you couldn't get jack ass out of it. Right. So no, no, whatever Lakers fans are trying to tell themselves to make this go away, no. Stop it. I, he I, lied. I,
2: are they even, I feel like at least the Lakers fans I follow on Twitter have long been past the point of trying to defend Palenka. and
3: Well, they're and, smart.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and, and that's kind of the question coming out of all of this is, you know, Magic Johnson resigned last month. So he's <laughs> he's been firebombing the franchise in recent weeks with the first take. Uh, mm-hmm. Interview and he went on Sports Center last night after this story came out and confirmed some of the sorted details, including there was a whole part about how Rich Paul flew on a team charter and how that was a r- corrosive to the team culture. So he did confirm that part that he, Rich Paul flew on the flight. Team plane, and that's a topic that for months. a
3: different day with Clutch Sports. Yep. yep.
2: um But it, Rob Polinka is still there. Rob Polinka is the general manager. They do not hire or they do not have a president of basketball operations they are not planning to hire one so he is in charge of the basketball decisions now yes yes Linda rambus is there as the shadow owner as as recent reports have come out but if you're a free agent or if you're an I mean geez if you're an agent talking to Polinka about if you're rich paul right now mm-hmm do you have any confidence in this no. front office or are no. like are, are the Lakers totally screwed until Polenka goes?
3: So I think there are agents and players who are desperate enough to squeeze the or the lemon as much as they can, yeah. even if it means going to a bad organization. I think there are some players who are capable of just emotionally disengage themselves from the from the franchise. And basically look at themselves going you know what i need to earn a lot of money i'm i'm on borrowed time in terms of my nba career so i just need to maximize my earning potential and then i'm gonna shut my eyes and i'm just gonna ignore everything around me for the duration of my contract and then i'm 35 36 if i get another contract great if not i'll retire and i'll be comfortable (laughs) those players yeah sure go ahead But those are not difference makers. Those are not players that you are going to win basketball games with. Those type of players, I think, are available. The superstars, the players who are actually invested in their legacies. Hell no. Like, hell no. Why would you? Why would you go to this completely bonkers situation in Los Angeles right now? Where, just to add, LeBron James is there. And as we've said, (laughs) as we've seen, and red over the past couple of years, like players are less inclined to wanting to play with LeBron. Right. So there's the playing factor there of LeBron where you go, yeah, maybe not. And then you have a literally insane general manager who is a compulsive liar <laughs> and is really not great at, you know, getting talent or building a team around great players. Because, I mean, just look at what happened last year. Right. Why would you like, why would you risk that? Then you would be in the media virtually twenty four seven, and it wouldn't focus on oh hey how you scored you know twenty five points the other night. It would focus on you know the Rob Polinka did something weird behind the scenes, or LeBron missed the final shot, or whatever. Right. It. it why? Why? Especially a guy like Kawhi. Like why he's I, to me, and and I might be wrong here. In you know next month, people can laugh at me if I'm wrong. I think Kawhi is so ruled out right now.
2: Yeah, I would agree. So I'm doing these these slideshows for fanside about like potential destinations for a lot of the top free agents. And the Lakers keep appearing on there because they have cap space. But that's it basically the only reason they're being included on there. Like I, I if I'm a star free agent, I don't know why I choose the Lakers over Dallas, for mm-hmm. instance, except for the off-court things. Like the only it's wild because the Lakers, they have LeBron, they have, you know, it depends how you feel about their young kids, but they have a decent collection of young talent and they have max cap space on paper. They should be a very appealing free agent destination, but because right. of all of this organizational chaos, you can't make the case. Like the only thing going for them is LeBron. Like LeBron's going to have to go into those meetings and say ignore everything that's happened over the past two months or frankly the past year. If you come Kawhi or if you come Kyrie or if you come Kevin, we can help bring this franchise back to the top. This was just a one-year hiccup. Whatever.
3: What a hiccup, though. I know. Like, that. that's that's just barfing.
2: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I Every time I've written about the Lakers, it's been like, there is no good argument to make in terms of why you would go to this team over the clippers the clippers are the polar opposite of the lakers right yep. now which is a wild thing to say cuz that meant something completely different like for most of their both franchise existences you know it's it was the lakers were the best franchise in la and the clippers were the afterthought run by a terrible owner with a terrible front office terrible players terrible management whatever now the clippers have doc rivers a championship winning coach they have a great supporting cast in place uh mm. a lot of whom are on very like lou williams and montrez harrell two of the three six man of the year finalists are signed for 14 million dollars combined next year
1: <laughs> they have landry
2: shaman and shea gilgis alexander both of whom made the all rookie second team they have those guys on rookie deals for three more years like it's a great that, if you're if i'm a star that is a great supported cast and they could create two max slots by salary dumping Danilo Gallinari, which should not be all that difficult if they were in that position. So they have that going for them. They have a great front office that isn't afraid to make big moves, as we've seen with the Blake Griffin trade, the Chris Paul trade, the Tobias Harris trade. They're willing to take gambles, and a lot of them have paid off in recent years. And they have Steve Ballmer, who we were just talking about Tillman Fertina and how his unwillingness to pay the luxury tax is really hindering the Rockets. Bommer's like i think he's has to be the richest owner in the nba right
3: hmm. I'm, I'm thinking i mean i would suppose yeah after paul allen passed yeah
2: yeah if not the richest like one of the richest he strikes me as one of the guys who's just gonna be like oh we're gonna pay 100 million in luxury tax that's cool that's yeah fine. yeah i've got especially billion. because
3: though yeah, and they, because they're gonna make a lot of money over the next couple of years yeah uh, from, from playoff revenue and 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 you know stars who will come to that team and you know merchandising and all that yeah 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 for sure i, I think he's i think he's in also from just an emotional perspective like right. he seems like a guy who just thoroughly enjoys this like he's not one of those owners who just buys an NBA team to to have skybox tickets and whatnot right. like he's just he's in it man he's down on the baseline he's screaming and yelling like he's He's Mark Cuban 20 yeah. years ago.
2: Right. He's yeah. passionate. And I think that will attract free agents, knowing that he really deeply cares about the success of this franchise. So For sure. I, yeah. I mean, if I, I just don't know what the Lakers' free agent pitch is. And I think having this Rob Lowe lookalike, who is just screwing up at every possible step of the way, having him in that meeting is only going to hurt their pitch. I feel like you, yeah. really. If you, if I'm the Lakers,
3: the only person I send to the pitch is LeBron, and maybe Rich Paul, or actually, act it. You send LeBron and the actual Rob Lowe.
2: <laughs> yeah, just see if they can tell the difference. Right.
3: No. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No. 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 It, it's a complete mission here. Like you tell Rob, <laughs> you know, Low. That is, you just play Palinka, but. You know, not insane. Right, method okay. acting. but... Method acting, but just you know, dial down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Most... I'm doing that GIF right now of the man pointing at his own head right now. Brian. Yeah, there
2: we The, go. the yeah. most infuriating part of all of this is when the Lakers will still end up getting like Jimmy Butler or something, and we just all throw our hands in the air. You know, it's coming. Like there, there's, yeah, some, but, there's some good. But then good it's going to gonna be fun.
3: Yeah. But it's going to be fun though because if Jimmy goes there, oh my god
2: not going to be fun for me
3: <laughs> well no but the entertainment factor there i mean then i can't wait for ramona shelburne's first yeah. <laughs> yeah. Article yeah.
1: that is true hey it's jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey jamie it's me jamie this is your daily pep talk i know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your a cappella group mad harmony but you will bounce back I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Mark, let's
2: shift gears and talk about RJ Hampton, who is the number mm-hmm. five prospect in the ESPN one hundred class of twenty nineteen. So he's a high school. Also awesome. yeah, high school prospect. Instead of going to college, he has signed a contract with the New Zealand Breakers of the Australian National Basketball League. Yeah. So he is the, according, I'm reading from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN, he is the first American player to willingly forego college for playing international basketball, unlike players such as Brandon Jennings, Emmanuel Moody, and Terrence Ferguson, who signed overseas amid concerns regarding their academic or amateur status more you're you are probably more familiar with the international game in general and hopefully at least have some familiarity with the australian basketball league how big of a deal is this in terms of what it means for top prospects moving forward do you think this is the start of a paradigm shift where these guys realize i don't need to go to college let me get paid for a year and then i can just go straight to the nba
3: so before I answer that, I had to ridicule myself a little bit okay. because uh, I did not get a lot of sleep the day before yesterday, okay. and I, I was working pretty late. And on the, on the way home in the bus, I saw this news from RJ Hampton you know, deciding to go to New Zealand, and in my mind, I I just, I just completely forgot <laughs> that the New Zealand basketball league is actually the Australian basketball league, uh-huh. that it's a combined league. So, so on Twitter, I was like, why would he go to New Zealand when he could go to Australia instead? Right? Oh, what no. does New Zealand leak So I just had to get that out of the system because that was painfully dumb. Okay. And basically, the lesson here, kids, be sleep more. Sleep is good. <laughs> sleep yeah. is healthy. Sleep. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so here's the thing about Australia, okay? They actually made a they, – they have begun this um, – transformation within their league where they're actually trying to emulate the nba game far more mm. they're trying to make it appealing for players especially high school players to come over and spend their time in in a league that to the best of its abilities simulate the nba game in terms of rule and chord uh, size and all these things what further interesting is the way that they can kind of capitalize on it So there was an idea that was brought up, I don't remember by whom, it was a couple years back, that you would sign a contract in Australia for two years and that second year uh, salary, you would have an NBA out. That was the exact number of the highest amount of money an NBA team can can, uh, pay an international club to release your rights. Mm. Um, Because in that way, the Australian League would get an additional bump in income from the actual nba like the idea here being like if you know they brought in like 10 kids every year from high school and uh, played them in yeah played them in this uh nba simulation type league where there were and by the way the australian league isn't bad plenty of high quality players who uh, you know older you know pro real pro players who are in their 30s and, like tough nose and all that but then the idea would be if they had like a bunch of kids come in and, and the NBA clubs would pay this uh, release clause, mm-hmm. then they would get an additional source of income there, which is pretty damn smart, if you ask me. And like, God, Lord knows the NBA can afford it. I mean, that's not a problem. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that's an interesting way of, of going about it. And I, I like the fact that they're seeking towards Australia and New Zealand here, uh, because there is not going to be a language barrier. Mm -hmm. It's going to be easier to, like, kind of implement because the system is built for it. They are going to get playing time. They're going to get opportunities. And I hope that R.J. Hampton uh, doing this is going to inspire a tremendous load of, of high school players to do the same, because the less influence the NCAA have on athletes, the better.
2: So, there's always the stereotype, or at least the perception in America, that, and you hear this with every European prospect, and we joke about it with Luca in particular. You know, mm-hmm. the whole, sure, Luca's good, but could he do it against Marquette? Like, <laughs> you know, the theory that the NCAA is somehow the best non-NBA league on the planet, which is objectively completely not true. Correct. But, <laughs> <laughs> how does the NBL stack up? To the NCAA or stack up to some of the other, you know, the main European leagues.
3: Okay, so so it's not Spain, it's not France, um, and, and and I want to say that both Italy and and Germany can be better, but but that's a different that's a different conversation because some of the top teams in Germany are are significantly better, whereas some of the middle teams and lower teams are just significantly worse. Whereas I feel that the teams in terms of strengths are a little bit more compact. In Australia, mm-hmm. so I think it's uh, I, I think it's a solid place to test out your skill set. Okay. Um, whereas in Italy and Spain specifically, Hampson likely w- wouldn't uh, be getting minutes. Yep. Those two uh, cultures are a little bit stricter, and I know that Luca played with Real Madrid in Spain, but Luca was like, look, like he would have gotten minutes anywhere. Right, like he he he's that good. So yeah. like any coach would be fired for not playing him. <laughs> right. But like Brandon Jennings was in Italy, for example, he did not play a lot, and yeah. part of that was practice habits, and and part of it was him just not being good enough at that point. Like he just couldn't play against grown ass men all the time. It was a it was there was a physical hindrance and all these things, but it matured him. Like when he came to the league, like in his seventh NBA game, Brandon <laughs> yeah. Jennings dropped fifty five. Right. Right. Um, like, I think it helped his development tremendously for just playing with older guys and with family men and mm-hmm. with men who are, you know, able to go out on the town and, and do what normal human being do instead of, you know, being at a frat house or a frat party. Right. I think it's different. And Hampson is going he's, he's gonna to learn that firsthand while he's getting paid, by the way. So that means he's also going to get a, a, a one-year education in terms of, hey, I'm going to have money. I'm gonna have a significant amount of money, and I'm gonna have free time. So how do I administrate this? Yeah. How do I not waste that time? How do I balance these things? I think it's great. I think it's I mean, that's a, that's a tremendous opportunity. And in terms of the strength of of the rosters, you know, yeah, it's it's not Spain, mm-hmm. obviously, but it's still decent. It's better than the NCAA. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, I mean, it's still going to be like all of the Americans that. Came over to play in that league are presumably college basketball stars who couldn't cut it in the NBA, but are still better than most of the players in college, if not all of them. Except Correct. for like and, the, and the some former
3: time. NBAers.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so it sounds like you think. Do you think this this will help his development more than it would have than it, he would have if he went to the NCAA? And do you think other prospects? If this goes well, if he ends up being a top 10 pick in the NBA draft next year, for instance, do you think other prospects might start considering this as a more realistic route?
3: Yes and yes. I think he will develop more here. I think he'll get less exposure. Mm -hmm. I think that is what the NCAA does great. Yeah. That is where you give them props. The NCAA knows exposure, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I am very down on the NCAA, as you can tell. Yes. Um, but but that's about it. Whereas in the Australian League, Hansen can be allowed to develop at his own pace without being under the microscope, which might be an asset for him, or it might not be because some players would get go to the NBN, they would go, oh, I'm not accustomed to seeing you know twenty five thousand people in the crowd and being on national television.
2: Right.
3: So so that's kind of up in the air. But in terms of just quality. Like, he'll play against better basketball players. He'll play against stronger basketball players. Like, obviously, yes, the, just the practice habits, just him being able to go up against these guys in practice, yeah, yeah, that's going to that's gonna increase his development for sure. I mean, I don't see a single scenario wherein that isn't the case. Yeah. And, and in terms of uh, – sorry?
2: Well, he could just devote his, all of his time to becoming better at basketball instead of having to, like, fake his way through – going to college classes for right
3: he won't have to take Swahili <laughs> no. right
2: right right exactly
3: absolutely um and and in terms of what what was the different what was the other question it was if it, it was gonna inspire other kids to go yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean I should I mean I was kind of surprised after Brandon Jennings did it and Brandon Jennings was drafted 10th right I think he was the 10th overall pick
2: that sounds right. I know moodudi was seventh Jennings, I, yeah, I want to say 10th.
3: But they weren't in the same draft, right? No, no they weren't. They, they, they were pretty 2015? far apart. I think Jennings was oh nine. 9 Yeah, I think
2: Moody was 15.
3: Oh, now 15. you think about... Yeah, no, I I, I get your drift. I, because Moutier was in China. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I completely lost that connection. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, yeah. Sleep, yeah. Brian. That's what I said. <laughs> Jennings, Jennings
2: was 10th in 2009. Okay. You're
3: right. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised to see that not more uh, kids went that route. But I also remember during Jennings' rookie season, you know, there was a big article coming out about, you know, how hard he had it in Italy, like he, how he wouldn't play and the tough practices, and that American players will look down upon because they were, especially young Americans. Mm-hmm. And I think that could have soured a lot of guys. And I don't think this is just me speculating. So I'm not saying anything. But I don't think Brandon Jennings went around and spoke to young players and went, "Hey, Italy, <laughs> that's that's where you go." Right. Um, but, but this might be different.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I hope it is. I mean, I just think it's cool to, like, I hope it works out for him. I think it's cool for guys to have more opportunities. These kids should, I mean, hopefully, God, hopefully, like, if it does start a deluge of these top prospects leaving, maybe that forces mm-hmm. the NCAA to change and realize, like, okay, maybe it is start a time for these kids to start getting a little slice of the pie. Or if, yeah. even if it's not the schools and the teams paying them specifically just let them profit off their likeness how many times do we have to say it
3: and I mean, that's it, the dumbest part right? that's the dumbest i wouldn't even have a problem with the ncaa if they just allowed that yeah. it's the fact that they want control right i mean the, like why should you control the earning potential of another human being that's I don't want to use that word, but it's it's yeah. it reminds you of something else, right? Yeah. and that's yeah. that's completely unfair to all these players, and it's dumb and ugh. Um, so so while on the subject of international basketball, I would also just raise a point here. So France is the second most athletic league in the world, mm-hmm. um, and and they are actually more inclined to play younger players because in France specifically. Especially, I should say, they love youth academies in all sports. Mm. Like There is a tremendous amount of attention towards young athletes in France. So they're very intriguing. You can see Seiko Domboya, who's in this draft class. He plays in France. And he's, he's, he's only going to turn 19 by the end of the calendar year. I think it's the December 25th, he'll be 19. Mm-hmm. So for, for almost the first half of the NBA season, he's an 18-year-old kid. And he's been playing 19 minutes a game in France. And, and people listening in are going, 19 minutes? That's not, that's not many minutes. In Europe, you have star players averaging in the low 20s in terms of minutes. Yeah. So if you average 19 minutes for someone who's 18 years old, that's great. That, like, that is cream of the crop. And he's doing that right now. And France is one of those places where you can go as an athlete, get minutes, and produce because you can show off your athleticism more. Now, fundamentally, they aren't as great as in Spain, but that is okay, they're not bad. It's it's a matter of where you put your preferences. But mm-hmm. France, I want to point out, is another great place, and I would advise a lot of high school players to look towards France. That's good to know. Who am I, and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen, and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel, act on it and make them feel better? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more go to sap.com/xm
0: clearance uh
2: okay let's finish up more well since the finals start tomorrow i guess we should talk briefly about them we did yeah, the whole finals maybe. preview last episode, so if you want to hear our breakdown of the matchup who we're picking just go check that out i still haven't talked myself out of the raptors yet but i realize i am i saw it, uh mike prada and tom ziller of SB nation have the raptors as well so at least i have some solidarity but um Regardless of what happens in these finals, Mort, free agency is going to hang over them like an anvil. Because we've got, Mm -hmm. on one end, you have Kevin Durant, who, by all accounts, is going to leave the Warriors this summer, most likely for the New York Knicks. But now the Clippers are possibly involved, too. Who knows? On the other, you have Kawhi Leonard, who has long been rumored to want to go back to L.A. The Clippers it seems like are the most likely destination for him, especially given all the stuff we talked about earlier with the Lakers. So more if Kawhi does leave the Raptors, regardless of how the finals turned out, they win, they don't win, whatever, was the trade worth it?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
2: I would agree. Yeah. I would agree.
3: I mean, should we go
2: into it? Yeah, or... well, I think it's at least interesting <laughs> to imagine the what if if they didn't because, you know, I could see arguing, well, all right, if he leaves, then suddenly it looks worse because the Spurs still have DeMar DeRozan and they still have Jakob Pertl or Jake Puddle or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> um, nice one. Nice one. Thank yep. you. Thank you. I love it. Uh, but to me, it's – you're basically – you know, we were saying with the Rockets earlier, if you have – Especially with the Raptors, where they just kept running into the same roadblock over and over and over again. And you could have, especially if you're Masai Ujiri, you see LeBron James leave, you hired a new coach in Nick Nurse, you could have feasibly talked yourself into, all right, LeBron's gone. Maybe we can just win the whole thing, or like we can go to the finals now. With The roadblock we kept running into is gone. But without Kawhi, I don't think, they definitely don't beat the Bucks, and I don't think they beat the Sixers, right? Agreed. So the alternative is you have DeRozan under contract, but then you're kind of just stuck in the same purgatory that you were for a while ago. But now you're you're approaching a point contractually where Kyle Lowry's on, only under contract for one more year. Say, you know, in this hypothetical scenario, they still make the Marcus All trade. Assuming Marcus All picks up his player option of 25.6 million, he's only under contract for one more year. Serge is only con- under contract for one more year. Van Vliet's only under contract for one more year. So your books are basically clean in 2020 now. But mm-hmm. with DeRozan, I think he has a player option for 2020 as well. Um, but you're just at that point where you probably would have had to talk yourself into running it back next year. Or maybe you trade one of those guys now and you get less than what you did you know, last summer you don't get a Kawhi Leonard if you're trading Demar Derozan this summer. Maybe you could trade him to the Lakers, but you're not getting Kawhi Leonard in return. You're probably getting Brandon Ingram, who needs a contract extension right away.
3: Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. exactly right. They traded him at the at the right time. Unlike the Grizzlies with Marcus All, yeah, the Raptors traded Demar Derozan at the right time.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it's shocking that, and I understand from the Spurs' perspective why they wanted to get an established star player. Because they don't, you know, they didn't want Pop to go out coaching a 30-win team. It makes sense. But it's just, it goes back to Masai Ujiri just deserves all the credit in the world. Like, I I think he, if he wasn't already the executive of the year for making these trades, I think these playoffs solidified his case. Like, he's the clear winner in my mind.
3: It was definitely a a a trade that was well thought of because and thought out as well because he, here's the thing even if it didn't work out it would allow him to hit the reset button right like there was always this plan and if it works out great and and it might work out like the, the, <laughs> the toronto raptors might be the nba champions for crying out loud they I, might be i picked them to be yeah but that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. like They might be the actual NBA champions, in which case, did it work out? Yes, it absolutely worked out. Right. And if it hadn't worked out then and Kawhi would have left, then that would have been a lot of money coming off the cap. Then you could have, without any hesitation or any bad feelings towards it, uh, traded Kyle and, and figured out something else. Yeah. Yeah, and then just basically hit the big old red reset button for sure. I mean, this was just a move that made sense from all angles. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the good thing now is, is Kawhi does leave. All of those guys are only under contract for one more year. It's not going to be hard to dump any of them, presumably. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we have repeatedly said there are only so many star free agents to go around, and there aren't going to be enough teams to have all of their their giant $40 million cap space voids filled. So... Say, go back to the Lakers. Say the Lakers miss on all of their targets. Who would they rather have? Kyle Lowry under contract for one more year at $33.5 million and Chris Paul under contract for three more years at $124 million. Hmm. Think, no, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, the choice is easy. The, the interesting thing for me is, you know, I, I think I'm going to write about this in the coming days too, so no one steal this idea, please. But if Kawhi does re-sign, would it make sense for him to do a one plus one?
3: Yes. Yes, because Kyle Lowry is, what, 33? Mm hmm. Marcus All is for 33 as well? 33,
2: 34? Uh, I'm not 100%. I want to say 34, but I could be wrong. No, he is 34. Yeah.
3: So, yeah. I mean, if Kawhi re ups long term. Then he's definitely putting himself in some sort of risk later on by just not having the players around him. You know, right. obviously Pascal is going to be there. Fred Van Vliet, possibly. You know, you, they're going to have some, but you need to flank him with the right players. Yeah. And with the H H's of, of Lowry and, and Gasol specifically, those, those are problematic in the long term. So a one plus one would absolutely make sense. However, there's a quad issue right. potentially. Exactly. And that needs to be taken into account. And if he goes with the, you know, the four or... No, he can be signed for five, right?
2: With the Raptors can sign him for five, yeah.
3: Oh, they can? Yeah, because
2: they have his bird rights.
3: That's right, he got traded, of course. So the the bird rights came over. Okay, so if he wanted to sign for five and did, I wouldn't blame him because, you know, that quad could look bad in a couple of years besides what is he right now he's from 1991 i want to say yeah June so that means
2: 29th is his birthday so he so he's make... going to be 28 20... yep. yeah
3: yeah so that means that he can lock himself into his h33 season mm-hmm. that's not bad actually
2: yeah i mean then you're
3: pretty much guaranteed if your quad goes you know belly up
2: right yeah like it, it's hard to turn down hundred and eighty nine million dollars i'm not saying he's definitely gonna do it but i do wonder if he decides to resign there if a one plus one is the most logical route for all of those reasons also pascal's coming up for an extension becomes eligible this summer It would kick in next summer so maybe you see what he gets if they do sign him to an extension if did they max him because that's going to limit their ability if he's maxed and if is maxed, that's going to limit their ability to build around those two guys moving forward. But as you said, the quad thing really complicates this a lot because I I don't, I mean, none of us know exactly still what it is, what the long-term prognosis is, how much it's bothering him, whether the knee issue or whatever he's dealing with right now in the finals is connected to that at all. So I, I the medical uncertainty of it all, may want him or make him want to lock in a longer-term deal, but just looking at it from like the pragmatic standpoint of, do you want to be locking yourself into a core that really... I mean, four of the five starters are either under contract for one more year or Danny Green as a free agent this summer. You don't know what's going to happen to this team long-term.
0: Right.
3: No, I mean... <sighs> There, I, there is a big decision on Kawhi's shoulders, uh, or should I say, Uncle Dennis's shoulders? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no getting around it, right? Um, yeah. the The thing that I just kind of look at right now is how much the finals are going to dictate. Yeah. Because if they win, like, how would that look if they won and he left?
2: Yeah, I mean, part of me, it, I go back and forth on this. Because part of me thinks if, if they win, then it's like a guilt-free he can leave. Like, I, I want a title for you guys. You have nothing to be mad about. It's like LeBron in Cleveland after 2016. When he left in 2018, there was far less resentment toward him because he delivered right. on his promise.
3: But can you can you then look yourself in the mirror when you go out and say, hey, I just want to win. Right. And that's why I signed elsewhere. <laughs> right. And, and, the, and, and you kind of alluded to it as well. This is the Eastern Conference. Like, it's only going to get so much harder reaching the finals in the West. I mean, we're just looking at this draft, right? Both Zion mm-hmm. Williamson and John Moran, they're going West. Yeah. There is so much talent West. Whereas in the East, it's like, yeah, yeah, you got Giannis. You don't really know what's up with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that New York is going to reload with KD and Kyrie. Yep. The, the Bulls are going to implode internally off of something.
2: The Celtics, who know, I mean, they have a lot of young
3: talent, but. Kyrie they, could go to the Clippers, right. and and Al Horford could, could go screw this and go somewhere else. <laughs> right. And, like, yeah, the, the the Celtics could implode completely.
2: Yeah. like Or, or at least. They're, they're, like, they'll have the young talent still, but they won't be anywhere near championship caliber right. for the next few seasons. Yeah.
3: Exactly. So, my point here is. You know, if you stay East, there's probably a much larger chance of keep winning. You may not win the championship every year. But look, if you're Kawhi and you win a ring this year, and then maybe next year it's someone else. And then you return to the finals two years from now and you might win one again. Like that's, that would be tremendous. Like that's, that's a legacy right there.
2: Yeah, three, it would be three rings at least two finals MVPs, because if he, if the Raptors win the finals oh, this year, sure. there's no way anyone else is finals MVP except for Kawhi Leonard, unless, like... Right. Mark Gasol turns into the second coming of Shaq overnight. Which
3: <laughs> Fred VanVleet kept Steph Curry to 15 points in Game Four yeah. because of his defensive prowess in one game. He's named MVP the uh, Finals MVP.
2: Yeah. Hey, Danny yeah. Green in 2013 was probably gonna be MVP if they won that series. So it's not totally outlandish.
3: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and, and and Iggy won it in, in 20... 2015. Fifteen. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was so dumb. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, you're right. I mean, to some extent the east like all four of the top all five of the top east teams including indiana could all really like the seas could part for any of them like if Mm -hmm. Kyrie leaves the celtics are gone if jimmy or tobias leave the sixers are gone if Kawhi leaves the raptors are gone if the the, you know the bucks we talked about them last episode all the financial hurdles they face they might not yeah but they still have Giannis, so yeah yeah yeah. i mean they'll they'll be in the mix for sure but if they lose brogdon if they lose lopez if they lose Um, george hill's not the end of the world if they lose him but Mm -hmm. if they can't keep together that whole core they might not be the same 60 win group they were this year so yeah i mean it is a fair question if you're Kawhi and you get to the finals or and you win the finals or not how do you look yourself in the mirror and say i have a better chance of winning elsewhere right but that also comes down to do you have a better chance of winning next year with the Raptors versus anyone else you probably have a better chance with the Raptors. If you want to walk in a four- or five-year deal, then mm-hmm. it becomes more, mm, maybe I would have a better chance with the Clippers who are going to have, you know, Shamit and Gilgis Alexander under rookie deals for three more years. I believe, I'd have to double-check, but I think they have bird rights on both Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, or they will after next year. So, you know, maybe we can keep those guys around. We, we could get a second-max guy. Like, you could, there is a, easier pathway to build a long-term contender with the Clippers and the Raptors I feel like
3: I agree with that but at the same time Pascal Siakam yeah I mean just the sheer presence of him and I understand that that obviously you know Kyle and Mark are not going to fetch anything in a potential trade because they're all just dirt mm-hmm. uh, but but at some point their money are going to come off the cap and you are going to get flexibility yeah that's it, true. E- even if even if you pay so siakam this was his third year yep so he's got one year left on his rookie deal yep meaning you kind of have to do something and he was the what the 27th pick or something like that
2: uh that sounds right yeah
3: all right so okay so let's go ahead not to so this offseason but next offseason 2020
2: yeah yeah his cap hold is super low
3: Bingo! Yeah. That uh, coincidentally, it's the same thing as, as Kawhi right. <laughs> with 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 the LaMarcus thing because Kawhi was drafted fifteenth. Yep. His cap low, hap, cap cap that summer was seven point one million, which allowed yep. the Spurs to sign LaMarcus. Yep. So if you just apply that logic to Pascal, then theoretically, if both Gasol and Con or Lowry, see, I'm so I'm so accustomed to saying Gasol and and, and Conley. I know. Uh, How how long does Kyle Lowry have left? Like that's this is the this season is gonna be the last one, right?
2: Yeah, on his contract.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So going into twenty twenty, assuming of course Kawhi stays, Mm -hmm. he's gonna earn a lot of money. Yep. But, oh, see, uh, Serge Ibaka is also coming off the books that year.
2: Casal, Ibaka, and Lowry all come off the books. And Siakam's cap hold is only $7.1 million that year. And
3: Van Vleet's $9 million salary also coming off. You still have Oceana and Inopi on a rookie deal Yep. going into his final year. Oh, good lord. Yeah, no, I mean, I hear what you're saying about it might be easier to build with the Clippers. Right. But this, like, this is not bad. And oh, if you yeah. have Kawhi... And if you if that memory of a championship is still fresh in players' minds, there's going to be immediate interest.
2: Yeah, it's more of a it's definitely more of a blank slate heading into 2020. Yeah. Like maybe you get Anthony Davis then, who knows?
3: Oh, I think they I think they're going to be looking for a point guard, man.
2: Yeah, well, they could. I mean, they could probably afford both.
3: <laughs> see, see, we just we just made the argument for why Kawhi should stay in Toronto. Yeah. Yep.
2: Well, no, actually, I take everything back. Go to the Clippers, Kawhi, please. I beg of you. Oh, God. Landry Shamet's yeah. really good.
3: Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, that's probably... You're such a sad human being, man.
2: <laughs> that is a good place to wrap up before I start reliving four bounces in my head over and over again. So, uh, everyone, enjoy the finals tomorrow. We will be back later, either this weekend or early next week with some analysis. We'll also be ramping up draft coverage soon, so please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod to get all of our latest episodes. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bios to so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews, and we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen.
3: Have a good one, Mort you too brian and by the way since you're so good at scouting players should you not pick up a a new handle like maybe scout with brian or something like that
2: yeah i'm gonna start sliding into your dms asking for money i apologize in advance
0: (laughs) take care man you too